Well, here we are, it's nearly February, and uh, the year's ticking by pretty quickly, isn't it? But, but here we are, here we are. Well, there's an age-old question, and um, sometimes it's kids asking their parents, sometimes it's us asking ourselves, sometimes it's us asking God, but the question simply goes like this, how did I get here? How did I get here? And sometimes, or maybe secondary is, where am I heading? And I want to talk about that just a little bit this morning because I want to talk about who we are, how we've got here, and where we're going. And I think they're great questions. I think they're important questions to ask because we haven't just arrived here and it's not coincidence or chance that we just end up here where we do. Um, We're all where we are for a reason. And I want to talk more corporately, sort of as a church, where we're going. Just, I want to encourage you. I want to give you a sense of purpose. I want you to know. Um, but also, I want you to apply this to yourself because as a disciple of Jesus, none of us should be living a purposeless life. God has given all of us purpose. So with the question, who are we and how have we arrived and where are we going today? I started to ponder how I was going to answer it, and that was my first challenge. And I thought, I know, I'll answer it from Genesis 1.1, and we'll go from there. (laughs) Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. There you go, that's the beginning. Genesis 1.27, just a few verses on, says, So God created human beings, that's us, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then you get to Genesis chapter 3, and we've got some issues. Deception, disobedience, things start to turn a bit pear-shaped. People make decisions, not pointing the finger at anyone, but there are only two to point at. Started making decisions that um, just really weren't helpful, and they, they mucked up the whole plan of God, didn't they? Well, did they? They certainly mucked things up. But what I'm encouraged by is by Genesis 3, verse 15, God's all, all, um, already revealing to us that he's got a plan, he's got a purpose, he's not surprised, And he's got this thing under control. So people have broken the relationship. Only God can fix the relationship. And then in Genesis 3.15, and it's prophesying forward, of course, to Jesus, says, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. It's prophesying of Jesus. We get a clue right here in in Genesis chapter 3 that, okay, things have gone pear-shaped, but God's got this thing under control. God's got it under control. Fast forward few hundred years, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for, under to, for a child is born to us. Who is that child? It's prophesying. For a child is born to us. Who is the child? Jesus. No, three of you know. Who is the child? Jesus. Yeah, it's Jesus. This is really important in the, in the scheme of things. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. 
the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Fast forward. Luke chapter 2. She, Mary, gave birth to her first son, child, a son that was called Jesus. Jesus. This is really important. Jesus. Fast forward. 30 more years. Jesus' ministry is starting to take off. John 18, 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. We start to get a real glimpse here into who Jesus is, what his purpose is. Then, out of the blue, and not what anybody at the time was expecting, he's nailed to a cross. Beaten. Nailed to a cross. Publicly. And in Matthew 27, 50, it says, Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn into two. I love this passage. It's a mysterious passage. I've never heard someone preach on what's coming next. I'd love them to because it might be helpful. It needs to be someone way more learned than me. So, so at the moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. I get that bit. Preach that bit, understand that bit, it's the next bit. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. That's the bit I don't get. It's like, wow, I'm picking that somewhere along the line like every zombie movie that's ever been made was inspired by that scripture. But... The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that happened. And they said, this man truly was the son of God. This man truly was the son of God. And then, resurrection. Luke 24, but early on Sunday morning, the woman went to the tomb. Taking the spices they had prepared, they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Go down a verse. Why are you looking, two angels talking to them, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Then, Matthew 28, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. Then, Acts 1. So the apostles were with Jesus and they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know, but you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Acts chapter 2, drop down a verse. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. And they could no longer see him. The ascension. And now, Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. However, soon after this, over the side here, God was dealing with a young man called Saul. We know him primarily as Paul. Up until this point in time, Jesus' ministry primarily had been to the Jewish people. But things were about to change with Saul because in Acts chapter 22, God said to Paul, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Gentiles is anyone who's not a Jew. I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And so the gospel went global. Fast forward. Now all of a sudden we arrive at 1904. 1904 to 1906, there was a thing that happened in Wales known as the Welsh Revival. Over a period of a couple of years, God moved sovereignly and powerfully in Wales and transformed that nation. Hundreds of thousands of people were saved. Hundreds of thousands of people came into relationship with Jesus and it so impacted the culture of the nation. It was incredible. Do you know that it was a rough culture in the nation and it was a coal mining nation and even the horses didn't know what the commands were that were being given to them because the language had changed so much of the workers. They were no longer cursing and swearing at the horses and the horses didn't know what to do. Pubs emptied out because prayer meetings were happening. Judges were seen in the streets with white gloves on, which meant they had no sitting cases in court that day. Nation was transformed. Out of that Welsh revival, a number of church movements were born. One of those was the Apostolic Church. Today, The Apostolic Church in New Zealand is known as Acts Church Movement, of which we are part of. It didn't take too long back then after the Welsh Revival for them to belt the globe with the gospel. And sometime later, they arrived, and when I say sometime, it wasn't that long, it's like 15 years or something, they arrived in New Zealand, other side of the planet. In 1940, there was a group of people that started meeting in Hamilton, the Apostolic Church was born in Hamilton. Fast forward. Now, that group of people, that church, I don't think there's any of them still here, that church is known as Activate Church. This group is still pursuing God's instruction to take the gospel of his kingdom to the very ends of the earth. That means we have a local mandate, a national mandate, and a global mandate to go and make and teach and baptize disciples. Which is the condensed version of how we got here today. Here we are. The who we are, 
and how we arrived at this point today. We are Activate Church. I love the word activate because it means to make active. To make active. It's characterized by action rather than contemplation or speculation. I like that, active. I've got a whole lot of friends that live in Europe and um, they just approach life differently to us. So in Europe, broadly speaking, you have an idea. You get a sense that, you know, you've got to do something, go somewhere, whatever. You get this idea and you get all revved up about it. It's like, wow, this is a great idea. So what do you do? You go and you do a degree around the idea. Get some learning. At the end of the degree, if you're still hot on the idea, you go and do a master's. And at the end of the master's, you make a big decision. Do we go now and do the idea or should we do our doctorate? Europe. New Zealand, have an idea today? Do it tomorrow. <laughs> Do it tomorrow. Now, I reckon there's probably a line about here which would be called wisdom. <laughs> hey, you know the hard school of life doesn't always have to happen if we thought it through before we kind of, yes, let's do it. But that's the Kiwi way. Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. Activate church. Do you have an idea? Kindy. That's a good idea. We could have a kindy here, I reckon. We could do that. Training. Training. So our mission, our vision is to activate community transformation. Activate or activating community transformation. And we understand in that that true uh, change, true transformation only happens through hard work. No, no, that's not right. Only happens through Jesus. True and lasting transformation only happens through Jesus. We can do lots of things, but it only happens through Jesus. So our strategy is wherever, whenever, or look for if you knew it, wherever, whenever, Absolutely. Be like Jesus. And this is how it worked individually and corporately. What do I mean by that? I mean, we do things together. That's when I say corporately, together. Uh, and, and together we can make a big splash. And then together we also do things individually. Like you're going to be somewhere this afternoon. You're going to be somewhere on Tuesday morning. Tomorrow doesn't exist for most of us. It's just going to be one of those great days. But on Tuesday morning, you're going to be somewhere. And you're going to be doing something. And wherever you are and whenever you're there, be like Jesus. Because you make a difference. So the role of a disciple is to be like Jesus wherever we are. How do we do that? We do that by loving God and loving one another. You know, as a corporate expression, uh, as a church, one of our major expressions at the moment is to create the Activate Community Park, which we're sitting in, this property. It's going to become something significant over time. That's a corporate expression of how we can be like Jesus to the community, the wider community. But we also have an individual role in and to do our what Jesus has called us to. So how do we be like Jesus? Well, I think we can be like Jesus by diligently embracing our values. 
Our values are words that we chose, and we spent quite some time over choosing them, that described something of what a mature believer looks like in our community, and also described what Jesus looked like in his community. Big-hearted. Big-hearted. I know when I say that, sometimes people just go, you're talking about giving. Well, of course I'm talking about giving, because I'm talking about being big-hearted. But it's not just money. It's about our attitude. It's about life. It's about the enthusiasm we bring to something. Being big-hearted. Big-hearted person walks in the room, you know they've walked in the room. Courageous. Boy, Jesus is the model of courageous, isn't he? Being courageous. We step out by faith. It always takes courage. Being purposed. Kingdom-focused. And belonging, which Ruby talked about a little earlier. Belonging. So big-hearted, courageous, purpose, kingdom-focused, belonging. There's some great handles there to help us to wherever, whenever, be like Jesus. You all right? You still with me? Great. Okay, so where are we going? Where are we heading? Well, together we are intentionally creating an environment, both physically and spiritually, where we can meet our communities and where we can meet our community's felt needs. Offering a place of hope for the people. People need hope. I need hope. You need hope. People need hope. And I think one of the marks of the kingdom of God is it offers hope to people. Again, creating environments, understanding that true and lasting hope only through comes through Jesus Christ. We can do everything in the natural. But if we don't introduce people to Jesus, we've missed it. We've missed it completely. Because eternity only changes when people meet Jesus. And true transformation only really takes place when people meet Jesus. So we are establishing a physical place, as I said, in, in our north, in our Ruakura campus here, we're establishing a park uh, that will meet the needs of the community and offer a place of hope, a place that is called Activate Community Park. Of course, we have other campuses as well. And um, in the other campuses, our four pillars are at work and we're impacting and want to impact the communities that we're in there more and more and more. But this will be our hub here. We've got four pillars that we want to establish on this hub. The first is faith. The, the key one, faith. The second is education. Third is medical. And the fourth is social, social services, social justice. There'll be other things happening and other things around, but as Activate Community, these are our four pillars that we really want to leave a mark, create a legacy for our city, for the nation, and for the nations to come. It's a big project. Um, it's going to take a while. It'll be ongoing. And this year, I've personally got four goals. I'll just let you into them so you know. So you know. The first is, I really want to see the church built. I really want to see the church advance. And one of the ways we're doing that this year is that we have brought together for, for the first time, um, certainly in, in my uh, leadership journey, in a local environment, a... Ascension ministry, Ephesians 4, Ascension fivefold ministry team. You know, in Ephesians 4, it talks about the, the gifts that given to the church, the ministry of apostle, pastor, teacher, 
evangelist and prophet. Thank you. Thank you. You always get four A. If there's five, you're guaranteed to get four. The fifth one always eludes you. Um, and they're given to the church to bring the church to maturity. And I think we do quite well. You know, we have people with different ministry or graces coming into our environment to encourage us and to, to, to um, sort of help us keep walking well. Um, classic is Steve and Sally McCracken, who are coming in a couple of weeks with their whole prophetic mantle. Uh, Wayne and Ruth Swift, they come in and they bring prophetic and also apostolic mantle. But this year, we've pulled a group together um, locally. And I'm so excited about this because, you see, the Ascension Ministries represent the complete ministry of Christ. And as we tease things out together, we're going to be able to bring a different viewpoint to things. And I really believe as a church, it's going to do us, it's going to do you a world of good. And it's going to help us advance. See, just one of the tensions I like, I'll just make it about a Sunday gathering. Let's say we're debriefing afterwards and we're talking about things and the, and the prophet will go, you cut the worship off too soon, Sheridan. You know, if we had just pressed into God for another 20 minutes, heaven would have opened and everything would have changed. But over here, I've got the teacher. And he's going, oh, you let that drag on a bit, Sheridan. If you just got into the word of God and actually taught something, everything would have changed. And then so you put them all around the table together and we can wrestle these things out. You know, that's just a... Funny example, really. But I'm really, really excited because as, uh, as we come together as a team, let me just say that this team is not an elite group of people. This is the kingdom of God. There to serve. There to serve. And to help bring maturity to the body of Christ, which is all of us together. So, so that's happening. I'm really excited about that. The other thing is we're going to um, really want to complete the hub building across the way uh, this year. Might not get the outside done, but the inside done. And um, that's going to be a great project. That, that building will have an auditorium in it, which is larger than this one. Which, that's good, eh? Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Put a smile on your face. Yeah, um, it's a, an auditorium in there that will be larger than this one. And it's going to have some other spaces. We've got some really cool ideas. One of the things that, that we've got on the plan for over there, I'll just share this because there's some great creative thinking going into it, is in the kids' ministry area. There's facilities and rooms there that we've designed for um, young people who need low sensory environments. And I don't know anybody who's doing that anywhere. But it was one of the ideas that came up. We thought, wow, that is a, that is a need we could meet for our community that we can do while we're developing. So we're going to do that. That's pretty exciting, eh? That's cool. That's just, just one thing. Uh, stage one of the park. We're actually going to start the park. It's going to be a bit of a process, that, because it's, you know, we'll get more of the property as time goes by. But we're going to do stage one, or I'm praying we're going to do stage one of the park. And the other thing I would really like to see take place this year, if at all possible, is I would love to see um, our medical centre on site. Hopefully, preferably in this building, for a starter. But I'd love to see that, and I can see Claire sitting there, and she's probably going, oh, you should talk to me about that first. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I would love to see. So there's plenty to do, heaps to do. Uh, no, no, uh, no days when you you wake up going, I wonder what I could do today. There's lots to do, and all of it is creating a legacy of hope for the people of our city, the nation, and the nations. You see, my dream is that what we're doing now 
will carry a legacy for generations to come. Generations to come. I was having a conversation with someone the other day and they said, well, what if the next generation come in and they decide they, that, that things need to change? And actually the pathway we've walked around needs to change a bit and they might want to go, no, we're not doing that anymore. You know, if that's the case, they will need to carry that, but we've given them an awesome head start. Just like we stand on the shoulders of those who go before us. Yeah? Great. So all of that, and then suddenly you end up at Revelation in the Bible. Not bad, gone from Genesis 1.1, now I'm in Revelation chapter 11.15. It says the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices shouting in heaven. There's a lot going on in this, but I just love the next line. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. I love that. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. What's that tell me? That tells me that the Father will say when time's up. And until then, we've got stuff to do. And we've got to keep doing the stuff. We've got to play our role as disciples and be fully engaged in kingdom advancement. Kingdom advancement is not an option when you're a disciple of Jesus. What it looks like is quite different often from one person to another. But it's not an option. Whatever our location, whatever our role, whatever our work, whoever we are, part of it being a disciple of Jesus is about kingdom advancement. Activate. This season looks like creating a community park for the people of the city and beyond that will leave a legacy for generations to come. That's this season. We've had other seasons that look completely different, but that's what this season looks like. And when I pray into that and when I look at it, after I finish freaking out, panicking and sweating, (laughs) I generally go, what an incredible privilege that you, Lord, would entrust this to us. Now. Could have done it before, could do it later. But no, in God's timing, he's entrusted this to us now. The one thing I want to put around it is that we must, must remain focused on kingdom advancement. It's not about buildings. It's not about parks. It's not about plants. They're all just tools in a toolbox to achieve the purposes of God. It's not about those things, but God has said, I would like you to establish those things and put them in place. And if you do it well, there'll be signposts. But it's not about those things. We're about the kingdom of God. We're about the good news of Jesus Christ. We're about making disciples. And we need to probably keep each other a bit focused on that because otherwise it's easy to get off track. Because it all starts at salvation, doesn't it? We broke it, Jesus fixed it, and now we have a choice. We can either walk with God in a fixed state, or we can choose not to do that. But it has to be our highest priority, is to make disciples. That excites me more than anything else. Because when I dream about what God's doing, the different expressions of what church could look like. 
Pastor Michael and I are going up to the Punjab in a couple of weeks to activate church there. It looks completely different to this. When I look at all the different ways church can look and what God's doing and the good things we can do and the ways that we can help, it's got to be about making disciples because that was his command. Go make disciples. Go make disciples.